Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I am Dylan Hafer, and today I am so happy to be joined by a friend of mine, a fellow Bravo lover. I've been meaning to have her on the podcast for a long time, and we are finally making it happen. So please welcome my friend, Lauren Skay, aka The Zen Blonde. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Dylan. Oh my gosh, it's so good to finally be able to catch up with you. I'm glad I have this excuse. So (laughs) I was, you know, over the weekend, I was figuring out what am I doing for my episodes this week? You know, there's lots happening. And I'm on Instagram and I was watching your Instagram stories. And you had quite the journey this weekend because you were in Vegas to see Beyonce. And then you ended up seeing Erica Jane at the House of Blues, bet it all on blonde. Um, (laughs) And I, I slid into your DMs and I was like, we we must talk about this because it was her opening weekend and you were there and I just I I'm excited to get into it. Oh my gosh, Dylan! Well, the best part about all of this is so um, Saturday was uh, eldest daughter's appreci- appreciation day, so I was so excited because my dad has Raiders tickets, like season tickets, and he gets concert tickets really easily. Like it's the best thing ever. Go football. Um, he always gets early access because of that. So he got Beyonce tickets and I was like, no, I'm taking these. And it's on eldest daughter appreciation day. So like it's, these are for me. So John and I go, we, we get into full silver. And I mean, we went, we went really hard on the outfits and we arrive at the Beyonce concert and our tickets aren't scanning. And I was like, John, what's today? And he's like the 26th. I was like, these tickets are for the 27th. And he's like, Oh my God. But then he's like, we're going to go see Erica Jane. So I'm in like a pair of high heels. Like he's in a full space cowboy suit. We're both wearing the Beyonce like disco cowboy hats. Yes. And and Beyonce has now requested that everyone wear silver. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So everyone had to go out and like buy new outfits. (laughs) People are like, like I see like Rosie O'Donnell on TikTok, like stressing out about it. Like she's like, I don't have anything silver. Um, And so Pete and Gail King, like everyone's been freaking out about the silver. So we run over in full Beyonce gear. And as we're running over there, John's getting the tickets and they were $2 each. So as a total, we spent $10.90 for our Erica Jane tickets. Um, And this is night two. (laughs) So this is night two. It's at the House of Blues. I've been to a House of Blues venue not in Vegas, but what is the what is the size vibe that we're going for? Like, is this a an intimate space? It's not like a a giant venue. It's not a giant venue. What I would say is it would be on par with maybe like maybe like the Gramercy Theater in New York. Okay, maybe a bit smaller. Or I'm trying to think of a good venue to compare it to that a bunch of people would know. But I would say, listen, I I couldn't even clock how many people would be in there, but the downstairs wasn't that big. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am 
terrible at the whole thing of like how many you know gumdrops are in the jar like I can't my brain can't do that math so if you ask me how big a venue is I'm like I don't I don't know like hundred something hundred, um but so Dylan could have been 70 could have been 200 like could have been a thousand like you know like definitely not a thousand I just can't wrap my mind around two dollar concert tickets to anything in 2023 because I feel like the the whole thing in society right now is that anything you think should be reasonably priced is going to be 50% more expensive than that. So I'm like, oh yeah, like that thing, that should cost like 30 bucks. It's like, no, it's it's 48 now. And- well, I, I feel like we're stepping back into time. We were in a time machine and like we we're getting concert tickets for another time, you know? I just, it, it can't be a great sign that there are tickets available like what minutes before the show for two dollars a piece well you have to remember this too we get there and they're filming and i don't know you know obviously they're maybe filming for beverly hills um i'm assuming uh-huh. and so of course they saw john in the cowboy suit and he had to sign a release because he looked absurd <laughs> uh we both did i mean to be fair and so anyway like they're filming for something so they want it to look like the floor is filled you know um and to be fair to Erica, she is competing with the Beyonce concert. I don't know how much crossover there is there, but um, I think some people were like, oh, we can do these two things over the weekend. But it isn't a great sign that your tickets are going for $2. I think they needed it to look as full as possible. So that's why she went on like a freaking hour after Doors, the show supposedly started, or I guess Doors opened. Which was a lot. Like, it was at least an hour, an hour and 15. And then she was on for an hour and an hour and 15. And so it was, like, one of those things where you're, like, I'm standing here. I'm waiting. I'm in the pit. I'm, like, this is a lot. Okay? This is a lot. And then she opens up in full Vegas showgirl regalia. I'm talking, like, the red outfit with, like, the feathers coming out the side. She looked like like Marilyn Monroe or something. Um, And she opens up to Material Girl. And then she goes into... It's extensive to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I an Erica Jane concert is a funny concept because obviously we've seen her perform on the show and we've heard a lot of her songs and you know seen a music video here and there but it's been a long time since Erica Jane was like actively pursuing music or you know however you would say that so it's funny to think of like showing up for a concert where she is the whole event and like was it like was it like a fun concert i mean listen we had fun there were a lot of like phones out you know what i mean there's a lot of people that are there for that which listen i recorded some some videos but then there were also some like random slow songs like the bruno mars song like leave the door open because she was doing covers in addition to doing her song and i just wait not leave the door open (laughs) i'm gonna leave the door oh i i literally was like it was a slow song and like no like do like i mean i don't know for people that have issues with erica i don't want to say do a britney spears song i don't want to disrespect britney spears <laughs> but like give me something i can dance to erica um and so right. leave, that was leave the door open is a great song but i don't it's not the, it's not the vibe that i get from erica jane's music persona of like a, a love ballad listen material girl was iconic i mean to go from Material Girl into It's Expensive to Be Me was like a little bold. I'm not going to lie, um, given the climate around her at the current moment. Um, but 
it was, I mean, it, it worked. It got us dancing. It was great. But I think she, she did a really good job. She's honestly an incredible performer. She was like writhing like a snake in like this cage dressed as a dominatrix at one point. Like she had so many costume changes. She's honestly, I have to give it to the girl. She is an incredible performer. And yeah, I mean, her, her dancers were amazing. I would just say opening night, two bucks. I don't know. And then at one point she's like, no, this is all about new beginnings. I'm so happy to be able to do this again. And thank you so much, Teddy and Tamara from being here. And then I turn around and Teddy and Tamara were the two housewives that showed up to support Erica on night two. I don't know if anyone was there on night one, but we got Teddy and Tamara. It's so interesting. And Erica, by the way, is on the most recent episode of Two Teas in a Pod. So, you know, maybe there was some sort of um, (laughs) swap going on there. But it's like... (laughs) It's funny, I guess Teddy and Erica are friends from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, I don't think of them as like a dynamic duo in particular, but, you know, I guess there's a relationship there. But it is kind of funny to think of if they were filming for Beverly Hills this weekend, it would be sort of strange for there not to be some element of like the current cast going to support their, you know, BFF Erica. Yeah, I was a little bit confused by that as well. And that's why I was like, is this for OC? Is this for something else? Like, I don't know. But I was confused like that there wouldn't be at least one Beverly Hills housewife that showed up for Erica. Unless maybe they showed up the night before and nobody clocked it. Yeah, I feel like there would be if if like Kyle and Dorit were rocking out at the Erica Jane concert, I I have a hard time believing that wouldn't be caught on social Do you think media. They just but... all said they had COVID and didn't. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, actually the numbers in LA are rising, so I think I think we have to skip this one. Oh, you know, Erica darling, we all went to Taylor Swift and we all have COVID. <laughs> I yeah, got it I... from Taylor, so Oh my God. It's a good you, excuse. I knew multiple people in LA that had COVID after like Taylor Swift was there. And then I know more than one person who got COVID at a Carly Rae Jepsen concert in LA. And I'm like, that no. is, we can't be doing that in 2023. It's not good. I saw you went to Blackpink. I'm glad you made it out alive. I know. <laughs> I know. Just, just barely. Uh, I, I'm excited that you were able to go to this concert. What is your, like, what's your vibe? on Erica in general. Cause I'm, I'm curious, I'm sure she has some like super fans, but I get the sense that that's not your journey with her. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I mean, obviously the last season of Beverly Hills, we were all like just collectively like, Oh my gosh, what, what is this woman doing and saying? And why is she behaving this way? There's these people that have been impacted by her husband. Why is she being she's coming off like without remorse? But Actually, I guess a month and a half ago, I went to an event. Kimberly Archie, who is one of Tom Girardi's paralegals, had an event for Paul's Ice Cream. And Erica went in there, was essentially not confronted, but confronted by all of her victims in a small room in that restaurant, sat down with them for two hours. The LA Times was filming. There was LA Times writers there. And they all walked out a united front. And the only thing that's ever mattered to me was, you know, the people that were impacted and the way that they feel. And they're all like, essentially the sentiment seems that they're all more of a united front now. And also that, um, you know, there are other lawyers that and people that will be implicated in what Tom Girardi did. And so like, 
some of the anger towards Erica is a little bit like, well, she's the low hanging fruit, but there's actually other people who have benefited from this that will probably, you know, see their Dan court at some point. Um, so I actually like definitely softened towards her when I saw her actually go and sit down with them for two hours. Cause it was a little bit hard. I definitely was an Erica stan prior to all this and the way that she was snapping on camera. But you know, I, 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 I'm open to Erica learning, growing and doing better in the next season because I, I was a huge Erica fan. It was a bummer when I had to kind of turn on her. Yeah. What about I you? I was never like, I enjoyed her on the show. Like I think she was a fun addition and she was definitely something just kind of that we had never had before the kind of what she represented but I wasn't obsessed with her in the sense that like when all of the stuff was coming out it was shocking and it was you know parts of it were really upsetting and I was really intrigued to like learn more but I didn't feel any kind of like I don't know like personal devastation over like oh my god like I I loved Erica and how could she do this and so I think over the last couple of years, it has been interesting to watch from like a little bit of a step away how the public sort of perception of her has changed. And I definitely think you're not alone in the sense that I feel like over the last year or so, it's kind of felt like we have a little bit more perspective on everything that happened. And it's like, certainly Erica isn't, you know, it's not like it has nothing to do with her and she, you know, should give her zero fucks the whole time. But like, <laughs> there's a difference between having, you know, being connected to something and being like the, the big villain in all mm. of it. And so I think, you know, it sounds like that event that you went to was one of those things where a lot of what she was catching flack for the last couple of years was not seeming like she had this acknowledgement of everything that had happened and this, you know, remorse of being involved in it in any way. And so I think if she is doing that stuff, like, if you're mad at her for not doing it, you have to also then acknowledge when she does do it. So I think, you know, I'm like you said, like I'm open. I, I probably, you know, I'm not going to find myself in Vegas while she's performing. So I probably won't. Are be you making... sure, Dylan? You can come stay here. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to BravoCon, but I don't think she has any dates that weekend. Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh, you are going to be in Vegas. <laughs> I I actually, when she first announced her dates, people noticed right away that there weren't any BravoCon shows. And I don't know if that's like, maybe she's doing something at BravoCon that's going to kind of like... Is she going to be this year's Tom Sandoval and the most extras? Right? Like they got they got to find something. <laughs> it's not, not going to be Tom Sandoval. We can't keep doing Countess Cabaret. Like... <laughs> No, I want Simon Van Kempen to to start singing again. Oh my god, I'm real. <laughs> Look, I would love a Simon Van Kempen surprise performance, but Alex McCord is not getting anywhere near BravoCon because they've apparently decided that this Morocco girls trip cast is just like persona non grata. Oh my god, Alex is like, you know what? Like, I have like my psych degree now, and I've realized like that I just can't even participate in this. <laughs> I know if if we don't end up seeing the Morocco season of Girls Trip, I think I think Alex McCord not returning to our screens might be the thing I'm most upset about. Oh, I I would be so upset. Is that is that a possibility, Dylan? What? I mean, we we don't know. That's the thing. I talked about this. I was on uh, our mutual friend Sarah Galley's podcast, Andy's Girls, a couple weeks ago, and she brought this up. And it's not something I had really considered either. But the fact I think when they announced the full list of BravoCon attendees, at least thus far, and seeing that 
not a single person from that cast is included in like any way at this BravoCon. It's like, oh, they're not like, they're not trying to, you know, plant the seeds. They're not giving us a teaser. They're not going to show up at a panel. Like last year, they were like, I remember at BravoCon last year, they did the panel that was Girls Trip 2 or Girls Trip 1 and 2, I guess. I don't know. And then they like brought out the Thailand girls as like a surprise. It's like, we all know they're here. But <laughs> but this year, it's like, I, I think they're focused on Roni Legacy. I think they're focused on a bunch of other stuff. But they they are not trying to remind us about that Morocco trip. And that because seems Morocco like... Morocco was where Brandy Glanville and Caroline yes. had that incident. Okay. Well, that could be a problem from a legal standpoint, I suppose, given yeah. the fact that that was really, really bad from what I've heard. But... I also feel like, didn't we cut around an entire housewife to make Roni, the new Roni work for a minute? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think it's the kind of thing where, like, I'm sure they could do something, but then, you know, they'll have to decide whether it's worth it, whether whether the product that they can produce is good i don't i mean bravo i don't even care if we notice i don't even care if there's a huge hole in the the plot just like and just like that listen the writers of and just like that do it to me every week you can like not close a loop on something it's fine just give us the give us alex alex mccord i miss her i I don't know i mean i i'd like to see even like gretchen rossi is on that season like we haven't seen her on bravo in such a long time i'm like i just want to know kind of like i just want to get a vibe check on some of these women and see her without the face tune that is that is true. I don't know what she looks like at this point in time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like even her child gets face tuned. It's like the blur, the blur features on fire with that one. Well, the sure. blur really comes for everyone. It's like if you're doing a whole like Vaseline finish over all your photos, unfortunately, the baby is going to be sort of collateral damage. <laughs> Do you remember... I remember a few years ago, Kim Zolciak got in trouble because people realized that she had like facetuned her one of her like young daughter's noses or something or, or like made oh her my butt God. look bigger. And I think that happened with like Khloe Kardashian too, maybe. Oh, There's been a few God, people so that have done this to their children and it's like, come on, like leave the children alone, you know? Yeah, that's where it starts to feel dark. I'm like, I don't, I don't. So your, <laughs> your child looks like an oil painting <laughs> the way that you like. <laughs> I know, God, it's so bleak. I, I honestly, like I barely go near Facetune because it just kind of like, it like freaks me out a little bit. You know but. what? I, I've done it here and there, but I always feel really like icky about it, you know? Yeah. Where I'm like, ugh. Right, like if you want to fix the lighting or you want to, you know, like that's fine, go for it. But it's like, no, it's like I don't know, like whittling down your arm. It's like it's not. <laughs> Even with like the blur, it's like if you get like a weird shadow and you're like, mm, I don't like that. Like I'm just like, let's just take another photo. Yeah, I think for me, like <laughs> some people are like Facetune wizards and they're so good at it, and you would never be able to tell. But for me, I'm like, no, I'm gonna. It's gonna look janky. If I ever tried to like really go in and like do some serious editing, there would just be like lines misplaced and like. People would know. We we can't all be as good at Facetune as like Meredith Marks. Yeah, but you know what? Everyone everyone that's good at Facetune drops the ball every once in a while too, though. That's true. I actually just saw it was on like page six or somewhere, and Kyle Richards posted this photo with some like Hermes executive in Paris, and she had to delete it because her arm was fully just like wavy like blurry no there was literally like an alien like uh, uh, on her arm like it was so bizarre there were a bunch of different things it was like we really we should 
we should make a book that's like Facetune fails. And if you're like, okay, spot all the things that are wrong with this photo. Instead of like, you know, where's Waldo or like one of those <laughs> games where you define the objects. It's like, we should just take all those photos and make a book. Once upon a time at Betches, we used to do these articles that was like the um, Photoshop fail of the week. And <laughs> it would be so funny because somebody would be sitting like, the, like you would be posing on like a boat and the like against like a railing or something and the railing you would put like a, a straight line on top of the railing and it would just be like curved ever so slightly it's like yep there we go there we go my favorite is like when it's the ocean and it's like the whole horizon's fucked up <laughs> babe like, gravity is shaking <laughs> it's like is that the same cloud in like three different places <laughs> Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence. Thanks to Honey Love. I'm Betch's co-founder, Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Wait, did you hear about Atlanta potentially recasting? I did. I wanted to get your opinion on that. So there was this article published on Love B. Scott earlier this week. Um, and they're saying that, quote, a source close to production tells us that Bravo is beyond thrilled with the reception of the recently rebooted Roni. So they're fully on board with production's decision to recast RHOA. Um, so they're saying that, you know, there was fan feedback that this has been the worst season in a long time um, and that they decided during the reunion that they wanted to do this recast. Um, I got to be honest, this this doesn't sound true to me. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> when I read this article, I'm like, this is one person on production that is annoyed with the narrative that has been happening lately of production fucked up this season of Atlanta. And this is in a, you know, Kenya went on Carlos King's podcast. There's been a lot of talk about kind of how this season was put together. And 
it is, I think more people think it's a production issue than a cast issue. And this feels like somebody on production sort of trying to dispel that narrative. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Um, when I heard this, I was like, this does not feel real to me. I just can't envision them scrapping um, the current cast in total at, as it stands. So I'm right there with you. And I kind of hope it's a rumor. I feel like they need another season. Like, you know. Yeah, I think I've seen a couple people saying that what Atlanta needs more is maybe kind of like a Miami style reboot where it's like, we're going to get creative. We're going to, you know, lose some people. We're going to keep some people. We might toy around with who's a friend, who's full time, and then bring in some new energy, really kind of freshen it up. And I think that is a lot more in line with kind of where I see the issues with the show. Because first of all, I don't think Bravo wants to get rid of people like, Candy and Kenya and, you know, even Drew, they're sort of investing in, it feels like, you know, her movie. I I know it's Candy and Todd's movie, but she's the star of it. Like that is streaming on Peacock. That was clearly like a, um, you know, very strategic decision that the finale aired and they're like, the movie now streaming (laughs) on Peacock. Um, I haven't watched it thus far, but, you know. Nor have I. I was going to ask, have you seen it? Because I feel like you're such a movie buff. I'm like, I feel like you would have seen it by now. Yeah. I mean, my normal like movie taste, I wouldn't say is super in line with watching Candy Burris and Todd Tucker's The Pass uh, (laughs) streaming on Peacock. But I I might get there. I'm going to see how my week shakes out. But like, I, I don't think the network wants to get rid of somebody like Candy. And so I think kind of banishing her from Housewives would be a really surprising thing to me. And then I also just think this cast overall, I don't think the the personalities in the cast are the issue. I think this season, my big issue was that it didn't feel like there were storylines that I cared enough about, mm-hmm. but I still on, on a good day, people like Candy and Marlo and Kenya and Sheree are still like so good at being on reality TV. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And also, it's like, how many spinoffs can Bravo give us? You know, like, what are, if we're going to, this is the direction that things are going to eventually go in, where we're just going to be recasting these different Housewives franchises. Like, you can't just completely discard all these people we know and love. So, so what are you going to be doing for us? Are we getting like a crappy lake for every cast? Or are we getting legacy for every cast? Like, I'm curious to see where, how they, um, how they proceed in the future as obviously like things are always going to grow and evolve and change. Like I wonder if they're using um, Roni as like the litmus test with some of the concepts I've created for that. And then seeing how um, it all plays out. Cause the Roni reboot, I like was devastating to me, you know, in the <laughs> initial moment, like I love the new cast. Now I'm such a Jenna Lyons stan. I mean, I know, Love her or hate her, I, I am a Bryn stan through and through because the night that we went to the the premiere party, she was so nice to me and she brought her nieces. And so forever, I will be a Bryn apologist, Bryn stan through and through. But um, I've been really enjoying it. But I was very, I had a huge aversion to it in the beginning. So yeah, I think I feel like you're right in the sense that Roni is kind of like a test case scenario and maybe Miami was a little bit like this too because they had never brought back a show but with Roni it's like 
they were doing something super new. And I think that there are elements of that that could work for other shows. And, you know, we'll see how things develop in the future. But I don't think that that is going to be like an exact strategy that they're going to copy and redo on like every long running franchise. Because I just think it's it's tough when people are talking about potentially having a whole new cast on Atlanta. That means you need, you know, five or six people at least. And casting a show like this is hard. We have seen so many housewives over the years get cast and like maybe they have potential, maybe they seem random and they just don't they just don't work out whether it's with the group or whether it's their personal storylines or kind of just, you know, it's not a not a good fit vibes wise for the show. Like I think in general it's not in the best interest of Bravo to like force themselves to have to find so many new people. And I think with Roni, it might be a little misleading because I think we have gotten lucky overall that this cast has worked out so well. But like when people say, oh, I'm sure there's a thousand girls in Atlanta that would love to be on Housewives. It's like, right. The issue isn't wanting to be on Housewives. It's like being somebody who we want to see on Housewives. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the same with... I've talked to some of the people on New Jersey or just like talking about that show that it's like at a certain point, it's like every chick who's between, you know, 28 and 45 has who like lives in a certain, you know, town or goes to a certain school has probably been like on somebody's list at some point. And it's like the issue isn't whether there are like literally women who exist in that demographic. It's like finding the ones who are actually good at doing this. 100%. And I think that there was something magical about all these franchises that like, you know, they didn't, they were just kind of low key, a little bit crazy people that were like, we're going to go on TV and do this. Like they weren't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get so many brand deals from this. Um, And it's kind of why I was excited for the Golden Bachelor because I'm like, ooh, we're going to get like some of that back, you know, because they're not as savvy with that stuff. But I mean, even when Roni was casting, I had a few friends that got reached out to, to, to be exact. And so that was the other thing is like, I like remember knowing about like the casting process because it was like, oh, like, wow, a few people that I know had been asked to potentially like audition for this. Um, And, you know, I feel like that's just by virtue of being a girl in New York that, you know, or I'm from New York. I still have a ton of friends there. Um... And so I feel like if it happens in Atlanta, we're going to be hearing about it from people with friends in Atlanta. They're going to know that people right. will reach like, out to. This stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum as much as it used to. I mean, I'm rewatching season one of Real Housewives of New York right now, which has been sort of a trip because I haven't seen it in a long time. But when you think about that, this show, season one of that show was filmed not even as housewives. It was just, you know, a show about a bunch of women in New York City. It basically, after the fact, was like shopped to Bravo and branded as housewives. It was not only did they not know what they were signing up for, but what they signed up for didn't even exist yet. Like they were a part of creating it. And so, you know, you're talking about like the brand deals and all of that stuff. It's like also just the whole idea of being a real housewife has changed so much. And so like when you think about going all the way back when people like Candy or Cynthia or I mean, obviously like Nene and Kim and all the OGs, even somebody like Kenya and and Portia and Phaedra, like things were so different back when they 
entered this reality TV landscape. And now it's like, I just, it's not, uh, it's not there. The chances of finding those people, it's, it's not great. No, I know it. It's such a bummer, but you know, I do have to say like that Bravo did such a good job of casting the new Roni because there, there are those people like Jenna Lyons who I feel like really went in without the rule book that like didn't maybe care about reality TV as much. Cause she's just such a, um, she just has such a great career and she has so many other things going for her that this, she didn't need this. And so that really shines through with, um, with her. And then you have Bryn who like, I think they tried to cast her on Vanderpump rules. So she's just like kind of made for reality TV. I feel like, so we're still getting Bravo did a good job. I think with the new Roni, I mean, are you enjoying it? Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great success and I, I think it's, it's really exciting. And I feel like, I'm so excited to see the response that those women get at BravoCon and to see their first reunion. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that show is going to get brought back for another season and to see kind of like if everyone stays, if if we get some new people, kind of to see how that group grows and changes. But uh, I mean, it's it's just, yeah, it's tough to know kind of if that really is a model for success that other shows would be able to replicate. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Vanderpump Rules, and I know that you have some, some, you know, firsthand experiences with the cast and with in that world and stuff. But, you know, if they're doing some kind of spinoff with, you know, some of their OG cast members, I'm like, I don't know how excited I am for that. Like it's, it's tough to, to start these shows and to, to know what's going to work. I would say yes. <laughs> I would say Yes. And that would be my professional opinion. And yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see because, you know, I feel like I'll, I'm willing to give anything a chance, right? Because I, I can never have too much TV to watch. I can never have too much Bravo to watch. But sometimes things just really don't hit. Also, sorry for the jingling to your audience. Sterling, I'm in, I'm in my parents' house and this is kind of like pick a room, any room. And it's like, <laughs> which room is going to be quiet? And my cat is right here now. He was meowing to come in. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm willing to give anything a chance. Cause you know what, like, especially with the writer's strike, we're, we're not going to have stranger things is going to be here again when I'm like 50 years old. So, um, you know, give me all the unscripted TV I could get. Although Bethany might screw that up for us with her reality reckoning. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> I, I have, I've talked about Bethany enough in the last few weeks. I'm trying to put a self-imposed moratorium on talking about Bethany until she does something else that's that's worthy of me spending three episodes talking about. But, you, you know, I, I think we'll be okay. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Just being a Vanderpump, I'm curious, like, how are you feeling about the season that they're filming right now? Do you do you get the sense that it's going to be great or are we kind of bracing ourselves for a Scandal letdown? Hmm. OK, so I actually I'm excited for the up and coming season. I think that, you know, I've 
I've been in the room when they filmed it a bunch because I go to I go to all the see you next Tuesdays and stuff and like people get so outraged that like I post a five second clip of like a table and they're like no spoilers and I'm like what about this and the the plot of the show did you infer from this five second video because I would like to know because I still have no idea what's going on but I think <laughs> what excited me about it was really just um, that Ariana you know, having gone on Sheena's podcast, you know, said that her and Sandoval still aren't cool, which I'm like, good for you, girl. Um, but they're obviously still having to film in proximity. And it sounds like he is maybe trying to drag her. And so I think that like, we'll be able to collectively be outraged together again, which felt so good for us all to be on the same side about this one thing. I just felt like it really united us all to just, you know, hate on Tom Sandoval. Um, and so I think it'll be good. I think we'll get some some answered questions. I can't wait to see Katie and Ariana thriving and hopefully open their sandwich shop. I want to see that like moment of their success and that them having their name on a restaurant finally. Um, so I'm excited for it. What are you, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm excited. I think like in general, I'm trying not to think about it like too much. Cause I just am sort of like, I don't know, whatever happens happens and I'm excited to see it, but I agree. So Ariana just kind of, clarified that she and Sandoval like still aren't on good terms even if they're you know seen in public together or like filming you know at the same place so I'm I do think that's a little bit reassuring because there have been a lot of you know comments and stuff on social media of people being like well I thought you weren't gonna be you know blah 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 blah. I thought you weren't gonna be friends with Schwartz and it's like all of these people have a job to show up for and you know (laughs) The season's not going to be good if nobody's willing to be in the same room together. So, you know, I'm hopeful. But it's kind of like even better that they're in the same room and they're still not like, you know, on good terms. And I, I mean, I can't believe he has the, I can't believe he has the balls to say anything negative about Ariana, but that's what it sounded like on Sheena's podcast. And I, again, I'm ready for the collective outrage as a group <laughs> we're going to have because it's just not the move, my dude. It's not the move. You it's know? like, I can't believe it, but also I would be surprised if he didn't. So <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I, I definitely, when I was at, um, when I was at the pump, I saw, or was it, sir? Sorry. When I was at sir, I saw Joe filming with them. So we're going to get Schwartz's like girl. Oh yeah. Joe. Um, and the strangest thing happened, I guess, because I made this funny meme that said like, why, when we're in crisis, do we reach for the bleach about Tom Schwartz, <laughs> Tom Schwartz's like a new hair? Um, his hairdresser tagged me in the like revised hair. And so of course I wrote like a very nice comment to compliment her, like fixing the hair. And then they invited me. They're like, please join us at 5 PM for a live. And so I was like, what the hell is this about? Of course I'm coming on to see what you're about to say. So it was Joe and the, the hairdresser and they, they just went on and on about the process of the hair color. And I'm like, can you tell me why he did it? Can you give me more information about like what he was going through? Because bangs are like bleach blonde hair. If you don't already have them, I just see it as a cry for help. And, you know, obviously my cat is crying for help right now too. Don't you love being at your parents' house and just <laughs> these yeah, little like- demons following me around, like running out of rooms. <laughs> Yeah, it's like actually what I was what I was curious about with Schwartz wasn't like what you know brand of bleach you used. (laughs) Yeah, no, or not what like toner they had to use to fix it, or not like you know 
Okay, so I guess basically what they were saying on the um, on the live was that he was only going to do it for like 24 hours or something, which I'm like, babe, you fried your hair for 24 hours? Um, and he was going to do it for the short thing, just kind of for the plot is what it seemed like. And I was like, that's just a bizarre choice, but okay. Um, but I think he was just having a Ken boy summer, you know, <laughs> personally. So. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see next year. But I, I'm so glad we got to chat today. And if you're, yeah. you know, if you're going to be in Vegas in the next few months, and you're looking for some cheap entertainment, it sounds it sounds like Bet It All on Blonde might be the place to be. Hey, I, I think it's worth going to. And you know what, Erica is a performer. And Dylan, I can't wait to see, see you in Vegas in a few months. I know we're going to have a lot of fun at BravoCon um, and we'll be sure to, you know, let the people know everything that's going on on the ground in Vegas. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. We're going to be reporting live, Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide, you know? <laughs> uh, Lauren, before you go, let everybody know where they can follow you. Okay. So you can find me on the Zen Blonde and I have another account. I'm launching a podcast with John Joseph in like the next month called The Girl, The Gay and The Slay. So give us a follow over there. But Dylan, freaking love you. Thank you so much for having me on. And I can't wait to see you in Vegas. We're going to have to like gamble together. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can be gambling. But um, we'll, we'll, TBD <laughs> on that. But but thank you, Lauren. Um, always a pleasure. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Batches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.